Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It was a good run for Syracuse, but it has come to an end. 62-46, the orange fall in the Sweet 16 to Houston. Gil Gross with Matt Bonaparte for one final edition of Fizz in Indy. Bones, uh, you know, it was, an, it was an incredible run. It was not a very good ending for an entire 40 minutes. It seemed like the Orange were outplayed. You know, what were, what were your emotions in the end there, to summarize? Yeah, it wasn't a great ending to this magical run Syracuse was on, but you got to be happy with what the Orange were able to do in a year where they were counted out so many times from the beginning in a game where they almost lost to Bryant, a game they should have lost to Bryant in Buffalo that Coach Beheim said after the game. They had those two horrible pit losses after that Duke loss and that Georgia Tech loss. They're physically early. They're basically counted out. Then they come back and, and they turn it to a Sweet 16 run. So you got to be happy with what they did. Yeah, I mean, I think it's hard not to – not to have that mindset. Syracuse was playing with house money at that point, and uh, Houston really proved itself. You know, it's a it's a legit team. I mean, there were some frustrating aspects about this loss. Uh, I think for me, the the most frustrating things were just the finishing at the rim. Are, are you with me on that? Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty accurate as to where. They really lacked. I mean, it just wasn't there last night against a really, really great defense. Coach Beheim again, in the post-game press conference, said that he attributes this loss 90% to the great defense the Cougars played. Well, I would agree with that. And a lot of that had to do with Dejan Giroux. He blew me away. I, I got to I gotta just give him all the credit in the world because he shadowed Buddy Beheim. We didn't know if he'd be fully healthy coming into this game and maybe Kelvin Sampson who said he'd be 70 to 75 percent maybe he was blowing a little smoke uh, because Giroux looked fantastic he didn't give Beheim anything he was right up in his grill he wasn't making it easy for him to even catch a pass and he has the length to really bother Beheim on every single jump shot he took Buddy out of the game plain and simple and, uh, you know, we've said a lot that it's not just going to be one guy and it's going to be a team effort. But to me, Dejan Giroux was the Buddy Beheim stopper. Yeah, I mean, when you look at Giroux and you look at his game, you can't not talk about him. I mean, nine points, eight assists, eight rebounds, a block, a steal. He was everywhere. I mean, the guy was ridiculous on both ends of the floor. Giroux was their ultimate captain is what I felt uh, during that game. He He was, you know, the star of the show uh, wherever the Cougars were because he could do it all. I mean, and like you mentioned, he shut Buddy down. Buddy shot one of nine from behind the arc, three of 13 from the field. I mean, he had 12 points, but it just didn't look like it. Yeah, this is Jero's redshirt senior season, and he's playing like a man possessed. There's, uh, there's really no other way to put it. He's had a, a long road from UMass to – Howard Community College and then to Houston. You know, his story is great, but I, I won't get too bogged down with that. Beheim was shut down by Giroux. 
but at the end of the day, when that happens, you need other guys to take advantage of the space on the court. And there was space. There was space to drive. Houston was playing all the way up on Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim on the perimeter. They were playing a pressure defense. I felt that the driving lanes were open for Quincy Garrier and Marek Dolajai. And the two of them in particular, just and Alan Griffin, really, who uh, had an opportunity to right the ship after a couple of bad games in a row, all three of them had one-on-one situations with driving lanes, and they could not capitalize. They could not get to the hoop and finish. Yeah, they, uh, Marek and Quincy especially, uh, they were not there on the offensive side of the ball. And you're talking about Allen. He played 58 seconds before he got pulled. He jacked up a three that Beheim didn't like, and Robert Braswell came in. I mean, at this point in the season, it was kind of like, how quickly does Griffin get taken out? Because we've been seeing that all season long, where he makes one huge mistake, and Beheim rips him out of the game, and then rightfully so. He's, he's a detriment to the defense especially, but if you're going to do that on offense, there's no reason you should be in the ballgame. So, but but to, to the effect of Quincy and Marek, they, they were nothing on offense, and, and Marek was missing shots. He, he makes a lot of the time. Quincy, I felt, wasn't as physical inside as he had to be. Uh, and, I mean, it ended up being the downfall for the Orange. I mean, you're not going to win an NCAA tournament game when you score 46 points. It's just never going to happen. And when, and when the, the, the three-point arc is, is locked down like it was, you're going to have to find other ways to score, and they just couldn't do that. Well, credit to Houston in that case because its game plan worked perfectly. Kelvin Sampson can coach. I hope that that's really, really clear at this point. Uh, He has really come to a Houston program that hadn't been doing much at all since the 80s with Elijah Wan and Drexler. And uh, they are are no joke and they are no fluke. It's now um, two straight Sweet 16s, or it was two straight Sweet 16s, three NCAA tournaments. Uh, They would have made the tournament last year as well. So this Houston program is legit. And the game plan was let's make Marek and Quincy Garrier score on one-on-one defense in isolation. You know, we're not going to let Buddy do it. We're not going to let Joe or Braswell get catch-and-shoot threes. That is the offense that they completely took away, and it worked. But I want to talk about when Syracuse had success in this game. First half, after being down as much as 12, Syracuse cut down this lead, went on a big run, a 10-0 run in the first half. And I, I don't know, was it within three points? It, it, it got pretty close there. Something uh, like it was very yeah, close. It got really close at the end of the first half. And then we had immediate timeout. Jim Beheim pulled Jesse Edwards, whose plus-minus at the time was plus 10. and in the next two and a half minutes, Houston went on a 10-0 run, and we went from a first half that was looking like it was going to be pretty close going into halftime to a 10-point, 30-20 to deficit for Syracuse heading into the second half, which really felt insurmountable against such a good defensive team in Houston. Yeah, and if you're asking the question, why did Jim Beheim pull Jesse Everett? He said it because Jesse was tired. Uh, and I don't think you can really blame him, but at the same time, you absolutely can. In the NCAA tournament, you can't be going, Coach, I'm tired. I mean, if you want to win games, 
at this level and you want to play basketball at this level, you can't say I'm tired. That's just my opinion. I'm not a college basketball player, so I don't really know how that feels. Yeah. But you're at the point – that was a turning point in the game. At that point, I think Coach Beheim has to go, listen, I understand that, but you only got to play a couple more minutes. Let's get this half finished. Let's play well. Let's finish this out strong. And I, I want to talk about how great Jesse Edwards was in this game. His stat line doesn't really tell the whole story. Five points, six rebounds, a couple blocks – he was great. He was phenomenal on both ends of the floor. I mean, on defense, he was swatting the ball out of the paint, really making it hard for the, for Houston to get the ball in the interior. And, and on offense, he was getting offensive rebounds and even made a post move. I mean, you don't see that from Jesse Edwards very often. He got to the line. He sunk a couple free throws. He was everything and more that the Orange needed him to be. Completely agree with you. He had the ma- a massive height advantage against this Houston front court and looked really confident using it the whole dynamic on the offensive glass completely changed when he was in the game Houston's offensive rebounding well kind of dried up he did pull down some offensive rebounds as you said um and you know I wouldn't I wouldn't make the assumption bones that he said he was tired and I don't know how genuine Jim Beheim was really being when he said he was tired in post game you know it seemed like he was just saying that to kind of appease the question. He wasn't happy that the question was asked. He went on to bash the reporter who asked the question uh, immediately afterwards. So he kind of said, like, he was tired, okay? Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know how much I would mince Jim Beheim's words there. Uh, I, I don't really think that he wanted to, to put much consideration or thoughtfulness into his answer. But I will say this. Um, he, it's not consistent with the way he coaches. Jim Beheim plays the hot hand. He plays whoever's playing best, big, big, big minutes. So, you know, it's not like we're looking at FSU who cycles its players in and out constantly or Clemson who does the same. This is Syracuse. You know, it, players don't come out because they're tired. Players come out because they're not playing well. This is how Jim Beheim makes his substitutions. So to say Jesse came out because he was tired, I'm just not, I'm not quite buying that. And I don't think it made the difference in the game. I don't want to make this about bashing Jim Beheim for taking Jesse out at the end of the first half. I don't think that that necessarily made the difference or anything of that sort. But I think it's worth pointing out, worth raising an eyebrow over. And I don't really buy the fact that he was tired. So why do you think you took him out? Uh, Marek is, I think he took out Marek um, with two fouls or wanted to play Marek at the four with two fouls. And I thought at the end of the, the half, he thought, okay, we've made our run. Let's go back to our normal lineup, back to our best lineup um, and put, put Marek back in, in the middle of the zone. I thought it was just a matter of going back to the default. I don't, I just, because it was out of a t- TV timeout as well. I think that's, an important thing to note. It wasn't like it wasn't like Jesse came out in a de- in a dead ball situation where he was a little winded. It was literally a media timeout, and he came out at the end of the media timeout. So I'm just not just not buying the whole he was tired thing. That's a fair point. Uh, and speaking of guys and best lineups and guys who maybe have got too many minutes. Let's look at Joe Girard for a second. I mean, a game where I think he, his performance was really hyped up against West Virginia because he had a great game, 12 points, seven assists, six rebounds against the Mountaineers, really hyped him up to be 
a guy who could put together a really great performance against Houston and one that I think Syracuse needed if they were going to win the game. He didn't do that. 12 points. He had, he was four for 10 from the field, two for five from three, but he had some real boneheaded mistakes that stuck out. He had that foul late that wasn't necessarily a foul. Um, still got called for You're going to get called for that foul every time when you go from the back. Uh, he gave the ball away plenty of times. He fouled. I mean, Joe just wasn't – he wasn't great. He just wasn't. He struggled against these kinds of defenses. I mean, that's – it's kind of been a constant. I think San Diego State was a good performance for Gerard against good defenders um, like, a, like Terrell Gomez. So, you know, that's a positive. But ultimately, I, I think that Gerard had built up a lot of goodwill, and rightly so, for the way he played in the opening two games of the tournament. So I think he got kind of a, a longer leash instead of a shorter leash, as we like to talk about uh, with, with Jim Beheim. But ultimately, the, the minutes at the end of the game was Gerard 24, Richmond 23. It, I, can't, I can't say that I have too big an issue with that. I do think Richmond was a lot more effective in this game, though. Yeah, I mean, he hit that three. That that I think Kari Richmond hitting that three in the corner was a the last plea for Syracuse, where it was like, okay, this if they go on a run right here, they'll be fine. Um, but they ended up not being fine. They lost this game, sixty-two forty-six. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Gerard's in an interesting spot because there were also plenty of times he tried to drive and it didn't work out because these guys are ravenous down low. They're they're crazy good on the interior. And Gerard wasn't going to get anything down there. He got swatted multiple times on his way to the basket. Um, and you start to question this offensive game plan. I mean, we, we actually talked about that last week, about how Syracuse is a little bit difficult to game plan for because they don't have any offensive plans. Just find an open shot or have somebody drive off a screen. And when that doesn't work and you can't get Buddy Bayheim off the shot or off the screen, you, and you, you pass it to Joey Gerard, who thinks it's a good idea to drive, you're going to have offensive issues. Yeah. Well, that was kind of my, my big takeaway for the game is, you know, you're going to run into players like Dejan Giroux if you're Syracuse. I, again, I cannot emphasize enough he was special. So if your offense is all coming from one guy and that guy is Buddy Beheim, you know, it's, it's going to be a problem against some teams. I, I think that's what happened here is, you know, you're right. Gerard, when he drove to the basket, he was not good enough. He was not at a high enough level when he got into the lane. And neither was Dolajai and neither was Garrier, as we touched on at the top. And that's going to be a problem. You need more than one guy because sometimes you're going to run into Dejan Giroux. You know, it, that, that is my big picture. And this was, a, this, was a pretty, this was a pretty simple game, I think. Yeah, and it wasn't a good game at all. It was like a really ugly basketball game for the, the entirety of, of the 40 minutes that we saw. I mean, the Syracuse just at no point seemed like they belonged in the same league as Houston. It just seemed like Houston was going – they came in, they were going to win the game, and it was over. Uh, I, I thought right off the bat, Houston's tenacity and veracity and just viscosity – was was so apparent. Like they were they were ravenous. Like I say that before, but they were like real cougars. Like it was crazy. 
Like they were every time the ball was loose. That that rebounding thing, by the way, is real. We it was hyped up all week about how great of a rebounding team they are. We talked about the bubble drill with Kelvin, Kelvin Sampson. I talked to Joseph Duarte about it. They were ridiculous every time a shot went up. Like they they turned into animals and and went for the ball like their lives depended on. I mean, it was crazy. They ended up beating Syracuse 33-23 on the boards. Um, and I think that was another reason that they won this game. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, that's not as bad as it could have been. No, it's not as bad as it could have been. But I think right at the beginning, it was like 14-6 to start. Yeah. Um, and that was a huge a turning point early. I think that – And then, and then, and then Jesse went into the game. Yeah. Jesse absolutely. went into the game and it changed it, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought that the, the rebounding wasn't as bad as it could have been. Syracuse battled in there, hung in there. And um, another, another thing that, that was pretty good was the Orange did get to the line, as we, as we said that they would need to. Kept him in the game in the first half. It would have been more than 10 points if Syracuse didn't get to the free throw line, and they went 7 of 9 in the first half. They got Houston in the bonus pretty early in the second half as well. Uh, but but then towards the end of the second half, it was almost like the, the officials, who I do not think were were good in this game for either side. Let me be very very clear. Syracuse, Syracuse fans can't complain. No, Syracuse, Syracuse got, got all every the calls. Call. Well, until uh, <laughs> up until I think the, the officials corrected themselves. Would you agree? Uh, I yeah. think last ten minutes of the second half. I was definitely sitting there at points wondering uh, why Syracuse didn't get a call here and there. But then I caught myself saying, well, I mean, they got every call. Right. It really, to me, it felt like, it felt like the officials were, were really just giving the Orange the benefit of the doubt for a long time in the game and then kind of realized, all right, we got we to gotta help out the Cougs a little bit as well. Uh, it, it just wasn't – I just felt there were a lot of calls that were wrong. Um, again, you know, not, not anything that, that made a difference here. As you said, the physicality was a, was a big problem for Syracuse. Uh, this Houston team was ferocious on the defensive end and in rebounding. And, you know, Syracuse couldn't get out in transition, and they didn't force barely any turnovers. I think Houston had six turnovers the entire game. That's with a full-court press that Syracuse had on for – uh, a fair portion of the latter stages of the second half. And that was a, a really big problem as well. It was all half-court offense for Syracuse. And in the half-court offense, it's isolation, Buddy Beheim. We've already talked about how that just doesn't work. But I, I think that was a big factor. Syracuse could not get any steals, and it could not get out in transition. Yeah, you mentioned the, the turnovers for Houston, just seven all game. Um, but, you know, I think unless you want to say something else, I think we've covered enough on this game. And I want to look a little bit more bigger picture about this entire season and what the future holds for Syracuse, because I think that's important to look at in a time like this where Syracuse made an improbable run. I think fans, again, I think fans should be really happy with this team. This is a win mm-hmm. for the Orange. I mean, Coach Beheim said earlier this week, it's really hard to make it to the Sweet 16. Look at some of the teams that are out at this point. I mean, Ohio State's not here. Illinois didn't make it here. Syracuse made it here. So Syracuse fans should be very proud of the Orange. Yeah, a hundred percent. And th- that was kind of what I was thinking. You know, 
if you're Marek Dolajai, if you're Barama Sidibe, you know, they, they, that might have been their last game. Sidibe, of course, didn't play in it, but uh, maybe it wasn't. Maybe they'll come back. Who knows? But regardless, they should be very, very proud. And what, what an experience this is for, for your buddy Beheims of the world and, and Gerard and, and Garrier. You know, th- these, this experience is going to stay with them and make them better for the next time. Um, so, yeah, I thought this was very positive overall. It was a, a, a run at the end of the year that I think will pay dividends in the future. I think that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is one of the ones that everyone will remember forever. I mean, this was a storybook season. Uh, and for Syracuse to make it this far, you'll be you'll be calling on this year uh, for reference for a long time, I believe. I just, in terms of how great of a coach Jim Beheim is, whenever Syracuse is struggling in the regular season, that people will 100% say, yeah, sure, they're struggling now. But remember back in 2021 when they made the Sweet 16 after having a horrible year. So it's a benchmark season. Uh, for Syracuse and, and a year where there are a couple things proven, one of which was you can never count out the orange ever. Yeah. Uh, and people did after that Georgia tech game and that Duke game that they lost late in the season, people said, you know, this is it. They lost. All right. Like look, look to next season. Uh, I think a lot of us were like, well, you know, we don't get to cover an NCAA tournament. So, yeah. uh, you know, we weren't, we weren't immune to that. So, I mean, you got to look at that, and, and Syracuse fans, again, should be proud. It feels like 2016 was okay. Miracle. Magic. 2018, wow, again. Now Syracuse does it again in 2021, and it's, it's no longer a fluke. The Orange are 9-3 and three overall as a double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament. It is no longer, you know, a couple of lucky runs. You know, this this is no coincidence and Jim Beheim is cementing his legacy as a great tournament coach, you know, and and I think that to an extent he already had that, but I also think that there, there was something missing there. And, And now this is, you know, an added layer as Syracuse continues to kind of miss those dominant regular seasons that it was having quite regularly in the big East we're reminded time and time again, it, it doesn't really matter if you go deep in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Uh, and just looking towards next year, of course, the big name coming in is Benny Williams for Syracuse. That's the big freshman incoming. Uh, last night in the postgame press conference, Buddy, Buddy Beheim was asked about Benny Williams and asked about the future of the team. And he said, Benny's a guy that's going to come in and make an impact the first day he walks in. So for Syracuse fans, that's exciting to hear because you had a great year this year. If you get everybody back, including Benny Williams, who comes in and hopefully makes a huge impact for this team, they could make an even deeper run, possibly. Yeah, now everyone won't come back, but I agree with you. It's been a while since, that there, since there's been a real impact freshman. There have been a lot of freshmen who have come into the program recently who have shown promise and then have really emerged as a key asset in their sophomore year. You know, Tyus Battle would be one of those. Elijah Hughes came in as a transfer, but still second season he emerged. Um, Lydon took a while. The last one I can remember is Malachi Richardson. Yeah. The one and done. Yep. And, and Malachi 
you know, in the regular season, he was good, but he wasn't, he wasn't knock your socks off like he was in the, in the postseason. Um, so it, it's very exciting to have someone who, who's going to come in and, and hopefully live up to the hype. And look, Syracuse doesn't lose that much. Yes, Marek Dolajai did a lot for the offense, and the offense ran through him. I don't think he's coming back. Uh, I think all signs point to no. I think Jim Beheim has hinted at no. Marek hasn't given anything away in terms of things he said, but if you watched him on senior night against Clemson, his body language, you know, the, the way he was acting out there, it seemed like someone who was playing his last game. So ultimately, you know, Kadari Richmond is going to get better. He, he is going to take the next step in his development. And um, between Kadari and Benny and senior buddy, I think that's a good core, as well as Quincy, who's getting better really fast. I think that's a really good core. Yeah, I agree. I think this team has a lot to look forward to. And you mentioned uh, Marek Dolajai on senior night. I agree with you 100% that he, he, he had the body language of a guy who, who played his last game in the Dome. I think in his post-game press conference last night, he, had, he seemed like a guy um, – he seemed upset and he seemed like he could, he didn't want to say he was leaving. I don't, I don't, obviously we don't know anything, but uh, he seemed like that it, he was leaning towards that. And the other thing I want to touch on is coach Bayheim talked about transfers a lot uh, and, and the possibility of this team losing guys. And he said, they're going to lose players. Syracuse is going to lose guys to the transfer transfer portal, uh, which is a little bit frightening. I think um, you don't know who you're going to lose. He didn't, he didn't say anybody in particular, but I think that there is a possibility you, you lose some of those younger guys who have a lot of potential, those Frank Anselms or, or Woody Newton, possibly, and Jesse Edwards even. So uh, that's what you got to be scared about if you're Syracuse. I agree. I mean, for me, I'm mostly holding my breath and, and hoping that Kadari Richmond isn't looking at Joe Girard, who's not going anywhere, and saying, well, you know, I'm going to get out of here and, and play somewhere where I know I'm going to be the point guard and I'm going to be the guy. I think that would be a huge loss and, and a real shame if Syracuse lost Richmond uh, because clearly I think that he probably should be the guy next year. Nothing against Joe Girard, uh, but I think Richmond's too good. I really think he's a stud. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know how else to say it. But, yeah, certainly you look, you look at a guy like Alan Griffin who's had a tough end to the season, um, and then a couple of the younger guys like Jesse who maybe feel like they haven't played enough minutes. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, you also can't rule out Syracuse landing some transfers because, you know, the, the market is it's just going to be a little wild uh, with, with the elimination of the one-year sit-out rule uh, in conference and – NCAA wide. Yeah, the instant transfer eligibility makes it an entirely different ball game. Guys can just show up and play now. Uh, and that makes it like a free agency type deal. And that's what Coach Beheim was hinting at last night about how the landscape is going to shift dramatically. Uh, and, you know, Syracuse, like you mentioned, Syracuse should be, I, I think they should be very, uh, they should be active. I mean, there's plenty of guys out there that could really help this team. We talked about how. Uh, Syracuse could use bigs forever. So you go out, get some of those guys, maybe a Caduce Wahab. I mean, that would be huge for this team. But, I mean, we'll, we'll leave that for another piece of content, I guess. Yep, absolutely. And 
again, Barama Sidibe of question mark. Will, will he be in the mix next year? Maybe, maybe not. Anyway, these are all things that will be discussed at length, of course, on this podcast channel, on Fizz Radio, every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. on the score 1260 and on orangefizz.net where you can read all of our written work. Bones, this has been a pleasure, us two in Indy. Uh, you know, there's no one I would rather spend this, uh, this week, this extended stay, thankfully, than you. And uh, it has been an absolute blast. So for one final time, Gil Gross, Matt Bonaparte, signing off. This has been Fizz and Indy. Hope you guys have enjoyed, and we'll see you next time.